Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a jam-packed show for you today. We've got Disney Plus coming this week. Kirk and I are going to get you caught up with everything you need to know to get ready for Disney Plus. We've got What's Poppin' to get you caught up on the latest movie news. We have our review of Dr. Sleep and our top five sleeps. Let's do it. on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Kirk's not here, Mrs. No, Torrance. No, no, stop It's stop me, that. Tony. No, no. Oh, my gosh. Tony. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Why do you have to scare me? Would I just, we watched this. Okay, listen. I held up my end of this thing. I saw the scary movie. I had to rewatch The Shining. That's scary, obviously. And now I just come into the safety of my podcast and you have to terrorize me with, with Tony. Yes. Okay. Well, that's fair. I guess. I guess. Um, so with your co-host, Tony. Hello. Hello. <laughs> if you keep that up for the whole show, I'll be very... No, don't. My throat will be bleeding, Everybody I think. will stop listening like five minutes in, if they haven't already. Um, okay. So with your co-host, Kirk. I am your other co-host, Cam, and we are so happy to have you. Uh, you may have, I mean, you definitely know from the cold open, and now you know from Kirk's horrifying Tony impression. We are reviewing Dr. Sleep, which for those of you who did not know, maybe you didn't know, Dr. Sleep is a sequel to The Shining. That's right. So we will get all into that. The Shining is an all-time, Is can I say all-time great? Yes. Okay. Because it's a, it's a weird one, because... It got some like weird mixed critical review whenever it came out. I mean, I think I I know that like now everybody has sort of come around and realized like oh Stanley Kubrick is a total visionary and absolute genius. But I didn't know if it had come full circle and everybody's like yes this is an all time great movie. I was trying to find out if it's on like the top hundred of you know AFI, AFI's top one hundred list. It's yeah. There's it's probably on there now. I think I have it. I'll bet it list. is. But you know he got. He got nominated, maybe even won a Razzie for this movie. What? Yeah. And so did Shelley Duvall. What? Who played Mrs. Torrance. Yeah, sure well, enough. Her performance is a little polarizing. But well, so Jackie and I were talking about this. Her performance, so a couple of things there. Jack Nicholson says that she has the hardest acting job of anybody in that movie. I 100% agree because the amount of time that she has to run scared in that movie is significant. And... That's hard to do, I think. I think that's a hard thing to do. I don't know. What do you think? She's just a weird... Not weird. That's mean. She is a a very unique person herself. Well, she is, yeah. Which is probably why she was cast in Hollywood for so long. So, to say that... I don't know. Do you think the running scared thing is hard, or am I just making that up? I think it is hard, because I watched Scream Queens a long time ago, and you could notice the bad eggs from the good ones. Yeah, I think so. Really early on, you're like, that girl can't scream. The other thing too, but the thing, so the thing that, the other thing I was going to say is the thing that is bad about her performance is her physical acting is horrible Mm. though. Like she runs with her hands up in the air. A lot of times when, when she's swinging that baseball bat, she like, 
I don't know. She just does it in a very like she it's like she's never held a baseball bat in her entire life. I don't know. It's just like weird stuff like that. Which honestly, it would make sense because she is a very frail person. She is for sure. I wonder if that was a Kubrickism. I don't know. It could be. It's it is consistent. I will say that. Like yeah. her running with her hands in the air and like doing weird things whenever she walks and stuff. Like it is consistent. Indeed. Yeah. But it's strange. Um. Anyway, there, there's a little side tangent for you. But The Shining, I think it's an all-time great. You seem to agree. Um, if you don't agree, hit us up. I want to know. I want to talk about it. Um, I was excited, though, because we had a very overlook hotel kind of day outside right now. Oh, my goodness. It is awesome. And so, like, whenever we were planning to do this podcast, I was like, oh, man, the weather's getting kind of bad. Like, should we just cancel it? But how can you pass up the opportunity to record on a day that looks like you're at the Overlook Hotel outside. I drove in two hours of traffic, and all the while I felt like I was driving to the you Overlook like, Hotel. Wah, 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 wah. Yeah, me too. That's exactly. Thing. I literally listened to it on my phone like a creep, because I was like trying to just like get in the headspace for that, which is a weird thing to do. But I was. That's like instead of like top 100 hits at work, you're probably listening to the theme song from The Shining. I literally listened to the Doctor Sleep score at work today. Did you? Yeah. I, okay. I, so I started doing this recently, where I listened to the score of the movie that we watched the weekend before. Well, that's clever. And it's cool, except for whenever you have movies like Joker. Which I love the score, like I said, I love the score, but it is like, if anybody happens to hear what's coming out of my earbuds, they're going to be like, hey, is Cam all right? Because like, <laughs> that's some dark, weird stuff he's listening to. Um, but like, last week I was listening to the Watchmen soundtrack, and Jackie got in the car, and she was like, what are you listening to? Honey, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, it's been a bad day at work, okay? Lay off me. <laughs> now no, it's going to be like... Hey, what's the movie you're reviewing this week? <laughs> Psycho? <laughs> right. Yeah, no. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's what I've been doing, for better or worse. I, I, I've I, been enjoying it, though. Even though, like, some of this music, like, particularly with Dr. Sleep, so much of it doesn't even sound like music. It's just, like, sounds and stuff. Yes. Um, so it's an interesting thing. But if you're not, if you don't live in the, if you don't live in middle America, you may not know. It is, is it, can I say Snowmageddon? Yeah. Basically, for us. Yesterday, I think it was 62 degrees at one point. Oh, yeah. It, at least. At least. And at this current moment, it is 23 degrees, and the low tonight is 11 degrees. Youch. Yeah. I, oh, and like the high today was 44. The low is 11. It will be 11 degrees this evening. And I don't understand that. There, we got like six inches of snow in a matter of like four hours. Yeah, and here's what's dumb. Okay, I'm a little sick and tired of the, and I don't want to like attack weather people around here, but I swear, does this not happen every year? Every time. Where they're like, oh, it's the first snow of the year, don't worry about it, the ground's really warm and it won't stick, and then it turns into ice and we're all like in catastrophic traffic. Like this happens every year. Every year. Catastrophic traffic is right because there were like eight accidents on my two hour oh, drive I know. Home, which should have been 30 minutes dude i we decided to we decided to stay at my in-laws so that was like shorter drive yes tonight but i mean all the city streets are covered in ice there yeah. were, i i saw there were people in front and behind me spinning out all over the place i'm like guys just pre-treat the roads in college i had a meteorology class and my professor looked and sounded exactly like Seth Rogen, and it was a very exciting class because of that. And he told me that St. Louis is the most difficult place in the United States to predict weather. Well, then I want the best meteorologists. 
Yes. I'm not trying to put any of our meteorologists on blast, but like, I literally, Jackie and I were talking last night, and, and whenever they said the whole like the roads aren't aren't cool enough for it to stick, I was like, we know we know we're gonna get stuck. We literally packed clothes because we knew that we were gonna get stuck over here. Good choice. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Anyway, what is nice about it is it looks like The Shining outside, and it puts me in a great great headspace for this review. So I'm excited about that. Um, but today is a very big day, Kirk. What's because today? today is the last day of our lives that we won't have Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Mark your calendars, everybody. <laughs> this is the last day of our sad and miserable lives before we we just turn the corner into euphoria and bliss. This You're right, though. This is a historical moment because there's always that, that saying, you know, like, man, where were we before the internet? Where were we before Google? Yeah. Where were we before typewriters? Yeah, so for the record, before Disney Plus, it was bleak. Yes. It was just bad. Okay, so if anybody tells you different, just listen. We'll put this in some sort of historical archive and be like, it was bad. It was bad, guys. This is going to be in the Smithsonian in just a few years. Yeah. So tomorrow we get Disney Plus. Yes. I I don't know what time. I've been trying to figure this out. So all the internet sleuths were all over the... So on the Disney Plus website, they have a countdown, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, at some point over the last weekend, the countdown changed from counting down to 9 a.m. Eastern to counting down to 6 a.m. Eastern. Mm. So there's that. So most people think it's dropping at 6 a.m. Eastern time. But then there's another theory out there that tonight, date of recording is November 11th. Yes. It's a Monday. Tonight, they are having a trailer for The Mandalorian during monday night football probably pretty soon yeah it could be could be any minute could be happening right now who knows you guys might be watching this by the time we finish recording but you won't know until tomorrow because that's when the episode comes out that's right wow this is getting really freaky just like dr sleep just yeah exactly it all comes together yeah it's all circle (laughs) (laughs) wow um so some people think that in that trailer that could be airing right now as mm. we speak that it's going to say something to the effect of like the Mandalorian streaming now. And everybody's going to be like, what? And then they're going to go to the app store and crash the app store because everybody's downloading Disney plus at the same time. Yes. And NFL ratings will plummet to their lowest ratings ever. If that happens, cause everyone it's will true. Everybody it will, everybody will be like, Nope, sorry. <laughs> thanks. It's been fun. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that for you. We will. If well, you know, I'll pull up Twitter here and we'll, uh, we'll just watch the news roll in and see if anything crazy happens. Um, so I want to talk about Disney plus a little bit. Do it. We'll do a little bit of a Disney plus primer, if you will. Let's go. Um, so obviously Disney, Disney plus has lots of, I mean, I, I can't decide what people are more excited about the original content or the legacy content. I can't even decide what I'm more excited about between those two. But I want to hear what's your fav- what's your most anticipated legacy content? So something that's old. Could be from Disney Channel, could be from the vaults, could be from wherever. What do you got? Okay, I've mentioned this before. And okay. I hope I hope that there's a big following out there with this. It is Disney Channel original series so weird. So weird. Yes. So I, I've not seen this. Probably you probably weren't allowed to watch it when you were a kid, but we had different childhoods. Um, this is a move. This is a show. It's only like three seasons long, and it's about this girl who encounters supernatural things throughout her entire life, and somehow 
her father is kind of connected to it. Now, her father disappeared when she was young, really young. Maybe he died. Maybe he got usurped by a UFO. Mm, mm. She's on the hunt for him. And all these crazy things happen, and she is trying to solve other people's problems and crack the code of why things are, wait for it, so weird. Ooh. I like that. I mean, that's that's a good sell, Kirk. Thank you. Are they paying you? N- not yet, but I hope soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe they will. Maybe like the so the so weird fan club will uh, like name you their chief. Yeah, is that how that works? <laughs> chief so weird. <laughs> I'm proud to have that. That's quite a title. Title. That's a good one. The, there's some some really awesome music in this show. Sometimes it's cheesy, and but it's because it was the '90s. But yeah, otherwise, right. it's just fantastic music uh mackenzie phillips is in this uh show um hot off her horrible drug abuse and crazy family history things that happened in her life um and she comes out strong in this series and she is a baller okay loving it i'll put it on my list eric von detten's um breakout (laughs) role by the way oh yes his breakout (laughs) yeah um yeah that's a must watch i gotta say for me and I'm looking at the legacy content list right now, and I'm s- literally salivating because there is so much good content coming. But I got to go with Recess, man. Yes. Recess was my jam. And I will state, I will state, there's an asterisk next to this because if Pepper Ann was dropping, if Pepper Ann was dropping on day one, or ever for that matter, that would be at the tippy top of my list. But it's not because they know Kirk. They know that there is a strong following for this show, and they want us to wait for it. It's going to be a slow burn. Wait, then they're going to drop it on us one day, and I'm just going to pass out from excitement. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's got to be recess. I love, man, I love recess. Oh, indeed, you it's got, great. You got TJ, you got Mikey, yeah. you got the Ashleys. Yeah. Oh, what's is there like a Randall? Like, Randall. You got Randall. Yeah. Dude, how often in our lives is there a Randall like nearby? That's right. He he is a very real thing. Yes. Someone who, someone, that character was created from real life experience. I mean, that, that person, I feel like I've encountered many Randalls that look exactly like that they character. They do. They look, they even look like it. They've got the Brillo hair. It's kind of brown, kind of reddish. <laughs> yeah. They, they kind of lurk around. Hunched, yeah. They're a narc. Yeah. They're total narc. <laughs> you know, you know who the Randall is in <laughs> there your are, life. Dude, there are. They're, that's very real. Whoever drew that has felt the pain of Randall at some point <laughs> in their life. And it's like, it's crazy how accurate of a representation that is. Yeah. Actually the whole recess gang, like they're all tropes and they're from our own society and they're all spot on. Yes. So they are. That show's pretty great. Um, but I mean, there's Jackie's like, I was talking to Jackie the other day about this, the amount of content that we're going to have for our child, dude, I mean, we're going to cut our costs for like, streaming in half we i mean we might be able to drop some things just to, because he has he'll he'll have uh the mini adventures of winnie the pooh and like mickey all the episodes of mickey mouse clubhouse i mean are you kidding me we've had to like buy spot episodes here and there of mickey mouse clubhouse because mm-hmm. we don't have access to it otherwise so i'm stoked it's gonna be huge it's gonna be huge it's gonna be a good time um but the other the flip side of that We've got tons of new content coming. So I want to talk through the new content because there's enough here where we can just kind of run through them real quick. Bring it. And we can kind of just quickly gut check, like, are you excited for this? Are you not? Um, So here we go. We've got um, Lady and the Tramp, which is a live action 
Lady and the Tramp. And I mean, live action. They're, so they are real dogs, but their mouths move in a not real way. But they move unlike the Lion King. That's right. Live, quote unquote, live action, which was just all CGI. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that I like. That's right. Um, how are you feeling about that? Lady and the Tramp? Yeah. I, I want to see it. So all the reviews, I think it's funny because the, the Disney remakes are like pretty much every single one of them gets like the same reviews. It's like, eh, like it's, it's good. Like it's objectively pretty good, but like also why? <laughs> <laughs> and when I was reading reviews relating to the tramp, it's the same thing. Like it's not going to stop me from watching it. But. Same old classic story, but did we need it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know what you're getting into there. Um, then we got Forky asks a question. Which is all these shorts with Forky. I'm all in on Forky. Yeah, I actually really dig Forky, dig Forky so I think that's going to be a good one. Yep. Um, high School Musical, the musical, the series. I am very excited about yes, that one. I am too. I'm very <laughs> excited. I am. I, I, I'm still, I have to not think about how it works because it confuses me. My yes. small brain is very confused by that. But I'm all in. I want to hear the songs again. I want to, I want all of it. We're all in this together. That's right. We are. We are, Kirk. <laughs> Never forget that. Um, Pixar in real life. Don't know what that is, to be honest with you. I watched the trailer. Still don't get it. Hate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvel's Hero Project. That's the uh, like documentary about heroes in our community. I think that one's going to be cool. Just going to be a cry fest. Okay, this one. I'm excited. Noel, which has... Anna Kendrick, Bill Hader, Billy Eichner, Christmas movie. That's going to be a gut buster. I did see a huge spoiler on that. Oh, no. At least I think it was a spoiler. It was about, like, Anna Kendrick's fate in that movie, which I think is, like, pretty much implied from the trailer, if you catch my drift. But... She died? No, no, (laughs) no. I mean, I don't know that she doesn't die. I don't think she dies. brutally murdered by a rogue reindeer. But if you watch the trailer, you leave with the question of, like, does she become Santa? Yes. And so I saw the spoiler that kind of, like, answered that question. And I was like, are we just openly talking about the ending of this movie? Or I assume it's the ending. I don't know. But little loosey-goosey there with the spoilers they couldn't wait like 10 more days i mean seriously yeah unless it's available tomorrow i don't know it will be well then they couldn't wait 24 more hours like come on i don't understand it um then we've got the mandalorian the mandalorian big hype yeah it's it's gonna be amazing i was so i've talked about this show ad nauseum over the last couple of months I really want so Mandalorian culture in Star Wars is just sweet and awesome. I can't wait for I can't wait to dig into it a little bit more. But I really want Pedro Pascal to not say a word in this show until like the last episode of season one. They could do that. They <laughs> I could mean, like that, that would be kind of cool because um, they're not a very talkative bunch. And I, I think in the trailer, in all of the trailers we've gotten, you only hear Pedro Pascal talk one time. So. I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen there. I like that theory. And then, of course, Kirk, of course, the world according to Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. which is as amazing as it sounds, I hope. I, I watched the trailer, and I was like, I only watched like 30 seconds, and I was like, yep, that's exactly what I want. That yep. sounds perfect. So um, out of those, what are you most excited for? It's got to be the Mandalorian. I know, man. I wanted to pick something else, but I can't. It's too exciting. And I know that they're doing they're doing the week by week release, which is good. Yes. To protect us from ourselves again because they know that we will binge it 
until we are blue in the face yes, and we indeed. cannot carry on. So it's for the best. It's going to be for the best. I have to keep telling myself that over and over again so I can be like, yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm mm. okay. Well, that's it, Kirk. That's Disney Plus. We've obviously got tons of vaulted content. We've got tons of like tons of documentaries from Nat Geo. There's like all these old movies, like ever almost. I mean, I don't know if it's every Disney Channel original movie, but it's got to be close. There's an extensive list of those. Maybe you can um, watch Eric Von Detten also in Brink. So I did see Brink. I love Brink. It's a good one. It's one of the better ones. I'm looking forward to watching Smart House again. Yes. Um, oh, is even Stevens on this? It better be. Hold on. Please hold. It really better be because that is an all-time classic oh, yeah. Disney Channel. It is. It is. Ooh, man. Gets, I want to watch that before we go see Honey Boy coming up soon. Oh, yeah, I want to see Honey Boy so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the Shia, all the Shia um, hype is getting to me. Yes. I want to see it for sure. Um, so, yeah, that's Disney Plus. Drops tomorrow. Maybe it's dropping right now. I don't know. I'm kind of panicking about it. I haven't seen anything come across Twitter, but I'm like, if it drops, we're just going to have to just like there'll be smoke behind us coming out of the studio. We'll have to be gone. <laughs> then this will be the end of the episode. We'll, you'll just hear <laughs> the mic's falling. Done. Um, okay. Let's jump into what's popping. Pop, pop, pop it up. Pop it up. Good. Very good. Very timely pops there, Kirk. Oh, thank you. You're really improving every week, I think. You know, I can anticipate it more. Um, you should just not tell me the show structure anymore. I don't think I will. And just throw it at me and see my face like freak out maybe i'll try to like fake you out oh be like now it's time for what did you watch this week <laughs> <laughs> just kind of like see if you pre like do a premature popping yes you know? <laughs> i don't know it's i mean the the options are endless so a little bit of a slow news week a little bit of a slow news week here mm-hmm. but this there's one in particular and we we posted this earlier last week this one i want to talk about James Dean is going to be revived, for lack of a better term, via CGI for an upcoming Vietnam War movie. And we've seen de-aging. We've seen, I don't know, we've seen them do some weird things with CGI. Mm -hmm. But this is very different. This is bringing someone effectively back from the dead to be themselves in a movie. Mm -hmm. Where do you land on that? I do not like this yeah i'm not okay even though the family has given their blessing and have signed the rights to say go for it the whoever is at the lead of their family estate at this point which i don't know who that would be but why why do we need someone who passed away tragically um to perform an entire movie that they have no ties to whatsoever yeah i'm not even sure that the family should have like just being fully honest, I'm not even sure the family should have the right to okay this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because, like, it's one thing to okay, like, somebody acting as somebody else mm-hmm. and, like, portraying somebody because that is artistic interpretation. And so even if you're gone from this world, you know, like, somebody portraying you, people aren't going to automatically think that that's how you are. They could, they could think that that's just artistic interpretation. And a lot of times when I watch movies that are based on a true story, I don't just take them as gospel. Like I do my own research, but to actually bring a person back essentially to act in a movie that feels like, that feels like we're going too far. Right. So James Dean was in exactly three major motion picture films. 
Rebel Without a Cause, yep. Giant, and East of Eden. Mm-hmm. Nominated at the Oscars for all three performances. So Beast. He was a baller. Yeah. However, none of those movies are getting like sequels right now. I could understand if they wanted to use his likeness for part of something that would involve a sequel to something like that. Right. Or if they wanted to redo Rebel Without a Cause, but I hope they never do because it's perfect. Yeah, right. If they ever somehow did, I would even understand if they wanted to put him in like a random scene as a cameo. I would not like it, but I would understand that more. Just like, you know... They've used Marlon Brando's voice post... Uh, post yeah, posthumously. Yep, that word. Uh, <laughs> once After he's passed away, he was in uh, Superman Returns. They used his face, they used his voice. That makes sense to me. Yeah, in that context, I think that that works. But unrelated to anything, any continuing story makes no sense. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like it. And I, I was just like trying to put myself in those shoes, like as weird of a position as that is. Like, how would I feel if somebody made a movie of me when I was dead and it's like actually me. I just, it feels weird. It feels gross. I don't know. It just, I don't think the family should be able to sign off on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody should be able to sign off on that thing. I think it's just like a, a line you don't cross. It's a weird, it's a weird thing. And I, I'm not looking forward to it. I wonder if the response to this, because it mostly seems negative. I wonder if that will shut it down much like we saw with like Sonic not not really comparable but the sonic uproar of how terrible the design was yeah they shut that down they redesigned it they're about to release the new sonic okay yep so hopefully the public outcry will tell them you know what let's just get an actor who looks like james dean and tell him to act like james dean yeah why not just do that but not superimpose his face on him yeah why not just do that what's wrong with that nothing wrong with that people do it all the time right yeah i i mean we we for sure like we've talked about on this podcast like we have a voice more so than ever. Anybody, if you can go on social media and like make a big stink about something, and if you get enough people that agree with you, like you can change things. Mm-hmm. So, from what I've seen, a lot of people are doing that. You know, they're like, "What in the world? This is too far." So maybe, maybe they'll back down. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I hope so. And it's worth noting uh, because it is a Vietnam War movie. T- date of recording is Veterans Day. So. Big thank you and shout out to all those who have served in our nation's military. That's right. Um, past, present, future. Um, yeah, it's it, we are forever indebted to you, and we would not be able to do weird, stupid things like record podcasts without you. <laughs> it's so <laughs> it's, true. I mean, it sounds weird, but it's it's one hundred percent factual. So happy Veterans Day to all of you. Thank you. All right, next up. The Batman. We're talking about the Batman again, Kirk, because we've got more casting news. Bring it. Andy Serkis. Are you an Andy Serkis guy? I do like Andy Serkis. Yeah. I think he's one of those people who's like generally believed to be underrated because he takes on these crazy roles. And a lot of times he plays like CGI characters and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be playing Alfred, which I was like, hey, that's kind of cool casting for him. He doesn't always get roles like that. No, usually he's in the the motion capture suit and like you said in the CGI role, but now front and center it's I wonder how many roles he has where he is not in some sort of garb. Yeah. That, uh that you can't tell who he is. Yeah. Mm. It's it's a good question. I, I want I mean I want to find that out. Yeah, it's I mean I would venture to say he's been in at least as many movies uh, you know as his normal self as some sort of cgi creature but yeah maybe, maybe more probably more i would bet probably more i would say less than i would say i'm gonna go with the number here yeah 
You can fact check me we later. Will. We'll fact check it. I'm going to say he's only been in five films where he showed his face the entire film. Really? All right. Bet. We'll look it up. We'll yep. look it up. I like it. Um, so he's going to play Alfred. I, I actually really like this. Um, I was kind of hyped about the Jeremy Irons Alfred, though, and we didn't really get enough of it. Mm. So that makes me sad. And then Colin Farrell is going to be the Penguin. He's going to be Penguin. I'm so down with that. I don't know, Kirk. <laughs> I I have such mixed feelings about Colin Farrell. I, it's hard for me to even convey because he is great in so many things, but he's been in so many weird and bad movies as well. Yes. The dude just takes any role. He's like, I mean, mostly he does mostly try to go for transformative roles, like things that challenge him, which I, I respect that. Um, sometimes he does so at his own, you know, disadvantage he gets like these weird wacky roles that just have no chance of being successful but i don't know man he just like there's so i've seen him in so many weird roles that it's like almost tainted for me hmm. i don't know okay okay That's you're a- like a big colin farrell guy right i'm a huge colin farrell guy so he- like what are the movies that that do that for you one of my all-time favorite films that really changed my view of him was this little movie called in bruges yeah so in bruges I know that's like your fave, right? I love it. Yeah. I'll play that movie any day of the week. So like that one movie though could have like made Colin Farrell for you. Don't you think? Yes. However, he was also in The Lobster. I've not seen that. I want to see it. It's a very offbeat movie, but man, he kills it. And he's also in The Gentleman coming up. Yep. Saw that. And he looks pretty spectacular in Uh the trailer. He does. Um, And there's there's more. There's more that I can't think of in this moment. Yeah, I I don't know. I'll I'll withhold most of my judgment, but I'm like I actually I'm glad that they're going a little bit of a different direction with Penguin. I don't know if they're going to like make him like the typical fat penguin or if they'll just make him like a slick mobster style penguin. That would probably be a cooler way to go. Mhm. Um but it should be interesting. So you're you're a okay on both of those casting decisions? Absolutely. I am I will say I'm 100% down for Andy Serkis's Alfred. I'm questioning Colin Farrell is Penguin. I think he's going to pull it off. I think he's going to shock people. And this is his kind of, this is his apology for Bullseye in Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Oh. <laughs> that movie, man. That movie. Um, okay. And then the last bit of casting news. This is hot off the presses. I mean, scorching hot. There is a newcomer named Jamie Lawson who's going to be joining the Batman. Matt Reeves is the Batman in an undisclosed but significant role. Now, a lot of people are speculating, myself included. So Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jamie Lawson is also African-American, as is Jeffrey Wright. And Jamie Lawson is the right age and the right persona to play a certain Barbara Gordon, a.k.a. Batgirl. So are we... Is that going to happen? Are we going to have a movie that has Batman, Catwoman, Penguin, and Batgirl? Like, are they just going all in? Sounds sounds a lot like the overstuffed uh, Batman and Robin with uh, George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Freeze. It kind of does. Poison Ivy and Bane. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of <laughs> does. But I also, like, part of me is thinking this. What if they just pick up, like like they've been going forever you know they just like start this movie and don't spend any time on 
backstory. They don't spend any time like laying the groundwork. It's just like, boom, you're in Gotham City and it's on. I think that's the right way to go. Similar to Spider-Man. Yes. Re- reboot with uh, Tom Holland. We didn't yep. have to go through the backstory. No backstory, no Uncle Ben, none of it. We just jumped right into it. In fact, they, they first entered him in Civil War, right? And that was just... Yep. He just like popped right in there. Like, then, huh? hello? Yeah. And then they <laughs> did basically no origin story on the next one. So it's... Pr- I mean, I would actually really dig that. And I think that... That's a great idea. If they do go that route, I think that Matt Reeves is thinking about this the right way. Like yeah. he knows that... There's been a lot of Batman content over the last 10 years. Some of it fantastic. Some of it not so. And now he's got the mantle and he's got to do something with it. I'm here for that. Yeah, it should be good. And also it's worth noting that um, Matt Reeves worked very closely with Andy Serkis in the Planet of the Apes movies. Yes, he did. Where Andy Serkis gives just incredible performances. Once again, he's a CGI ape in those (laughs) movies, but he's seriously so good. So... Um, it should be it should be a really really interesting thing. Okay, last bit of news. This one I kind of cherry picked because I love Damien Chazelle, as you know. I think you do too, right? You're a big Damien Chazelle. I right? am. I am. He's got a new project coming. It's called Babylon. It's been picked up by Paramount Pictures, so it's happening. It's happening. And the two people that are kind of in talks for the leads right now. Nothing set in stone. Nothing. It's like solid or signed Brad Pitt and Miss Emma Stone. That is an odd pairing. I think so too. I think it's a weird pairing. And I wonder, so the movie, the back background on this movie, or at least what we know so far is that it's set around the era of time, like the 1920s where we're transitioning from silent films to talkies. So it's kind of like that same era as the artist. And sounds like it might even have similar subject matter to the artist because it's about, how actors kind of handled that transition. Yeah, which is always a popular time frame for, we've seen dozens of movies in this time frame, but yeah. not all of them pull off the way that, that, that we expect them to. But Babylon is such a cool name for that. I know. I love that. I wonder what it, I wonder what the significance of the name is. Yeah, it's, it has to be because of language, because historically mm-hmm. Babylon, everyone had to, everyone could, was removed from speaking the same language and random languages were popped in yeah you know as the story goes uh so i'm i'm excited uh, to see how that translates to the talkies to the silent films yeah battle it should be pretty interesting a little tower of babel stuff going on yes there. should be good um so that one i actually can't remember the timing on that one i think it was holiday 2020 Oh, no, it can't so be that far. Clear. No, no, no. I think it's twenty. It's got to be twenty twenty one. If they don't even have the leads yet, there's no way. Oh, but yeah. So Brad Pitt and Emma Stone. Why them? Why them? Well, so Emma Stone has history with Damien Chazelle. Yes. Brad Pitt's always trying to work with the best, and I think it's safe to say at this point that Damien Chazelle is one of the best young filmmakers that we have. Mm-hmm. What I really like about him is how different his works have been so far, because he did Whiplash. Man, I love Whiplash. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. He did La La Land, which was still in the music realm, but like very different subject matter-wise from Whiplash and very different tone-wise from Whiplash. Complete 180 on tone, yes. And then going even farther from that, he does First Man. And so it's it's kind of interesting. I, I like that. I like when, when directors can diversify their work and show that they can do all kinds of different things, especially like you know, director extraordinaires like Damien Chazelle. It's, he's getting a nice, good, wide 
breadth of, of work under his belt. So I think that'll be good. He's worked with Emma Stone. So Brad Pitt, I guess, is just – he's, like, trying to jump on the train, man. Mm-hmm. And they probably sought him out. I mean, who doesn't want Brad Pitt in their movie? He's Brad Pitt. He's Brad Pitt. Yeah, he's incredible. Okay, that's all I got for What's Poppin'. That's all we got. And that brings us to our review, which this week is Dr. Sleep, which is an interesting title. I, I was actually talking to somebody today. So Dr. Sleep did not do good at the box office. Did not did not do good. Did not do well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's proper English, Kirk. <laughs> Dr. Sleep did not do well at the box office. But the conversation we had is like, yeah, what do you expect? It's a horror movie. You released it after Halloween. It's so I know that the marketing materials kind of allude to the fact that it's a sequel to The Shining, but if you're not if you're just like passively paying attention, you may not know. Like they almost should I I know that it's a Stephen King book and I know that that's the title of the book, but maybe something like Doctor Sleep by like, Stephen King or, or like The Shining story or something like that or like The Shining 2 Doctor Sleep. I mean, I know that all that stuff is kitschy and weird, but like if it helps you sell tickets, like do that instead. I, I had no idea this book even existed. Me neither. And while I'm not an avid reader in general, um, I was like into Stephen King, like basically picking up all of his books from the library, reading like ten pages, and then putting them down. I mean, like, oh, my brain is too small for this. Yeah. That, that's my experience with Stephen King, at least. <laughs> Good, yeah. And so, I even with all of that, I didn't know there was a sequel to The Shining. Yeah, I never knew it. I legit never knew it. So. I mean, I, I just feel like there was probably a better approach. Like, first of all, get this movie out in October. Come on. Like, right. it, it's a scary movie. There weren't that many scary movies this year. There was Ready or Not. There was Countdown, which did that ever come out? <laughs> October it, 25th, yeah, it sure did. <laughs> it, that came out. There was uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. But, like, dude, they could have totally played in that space. And there were a few weekends there where they could have won. Yes. So, I, I just think, anyway. They should have gone a different direction there. Um, so, Doctor Sleep is a sequel to The Shining. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give our let's give our tweet synopsis and let's dive right in here. Let's do it. Who's up? Oh, I don't remember. Do you remember? We need to mar- start marking I know. this down. I, I, why are we so bad? That <laughs> <laughs> makes no sense. It's like the easiest thing to do. You go, I go. You okay, go, wait, wait, wait. Let's think about this. I'm pretty sure it was me. I'm pretty sure I went first. Okay, I'll go first. I'm almost positive. Man, I'm going to go back and listen to the episode <laughs> after this. I'm going to be like, oh, no. We're going to fact check Andy Circus live rolls. and I'm going to do that right now, and, to be honest with you. And who goes first? Yep, let's go. <clears throat> Dr. Sleep. New nightmares manifest in the follow-up sequel to Stephen King's The Shining. Dan Torrance, permanently traumatized from the horrific events of the Overlook Hotel, numbs himself to get through each day. Dan's world suddenly shines brighter, though, when he discovers there are more people out there like him. Wow, that was good reading. That was great reading. <laughs> it was perfect. I handwrote my notes this week yeah. instead of typed them, and I got lost in my handwriting a bit. So that's hard. Dude, did you know Andy Circus played Supreme Leader Snoke? No. Did not, does he just play every animated thing <laughs> in the world? That's incredible. Um, anyway, going back to the handwriting, a lot of times when I write by hand, I skip punctuation, which makes it virtually impossible to read because <laughs> you're just like – all the same inflection, all the same tone. You end up sounding like a total psychopath. <laughs> um, also, I'm trying to see how many roles Andy Circus had where he wasn't a real person. And on IMDb, you can't tell. It's not like they say 
real person CGI character. I think they should make that distinction. I think so, too. We should write them a letter. Much like in each CGI film where you only have voice actors, I think they should say or have a picture of the character they play next to it yeah. on, on the cast list. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes there's obscure characters or it's a new movie and you don't write, quite remember the name because you haven't seen it. So Yeah, sometimes they say like voice. Mm-hmm. But so, for example... Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Caesar. doesn't say voice or it doesn't say animated. Right. You have no way of knowing. But he literally plays an ape. I need a picture when it's animated. I agree. And also the web the web browser version of IMDb. Garbage. Trash. It is like unusable. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why it's so much worse than the app, but it's way, way worse. Come on, IMDb. Okay. Back to important things. My tweet synopsis. Yours was great, by the way. I did listen to it. Thank you. Read yours better than mine, though. I, I believe dude, in you. I will try. I don't know. <laughs> Lots of pressure now. Ahem. Danny Torrance, now grown, is a man on the run from addiction as well as the events of the Overlook Hotel. After a series of strange encounters, both with those in the living world and those not, Danny knows that it is time to decide once and for all if he is going to keep running or embrace his shine. Oh, shine. Yeah. So this, so this movie, okay, so The Shining came out nearly 40 years ago. That's right. And what I think is important and something we need to tell the listeners, and let me know if you agree, mm-hmm. this movie is a direct sequel to that. Correct. Like, they use direct shots from the original Shining. They use, they recreated the same sets from The Shining. Like, it is a, it's not just an adaptation of the Stephen King book that was the sequel to The Shining. It is a sequel of The Shining movie, which I did not realize going into it. Indeed. I believe that Mike Flanagan, who's Mike the Flanagan, director... Yeah. And writer. And writer. That's, that's key. He said that there is only one or two shots that are actually pulled from the original film, from The Shining. Yep. And the rest that you see that look like they are, are recreations. Yeah, and like painstakingly so, right? Mm-hmm. That's like They said that he had to find blueprints that were like in the Stanley King, or sorry, Stanley Kubrick yep. uh, estate. Like his documents that to lay out the hotel, he had to do that and then recreate it with his with his team. Which last week we talked about authenticity with the lighthouse. That is some good authenticity yeah. to bring this to and life. And it looks great. I mean, we'll probably get into it in Showstopper or something like that, I would imagine. But mm-hmm. it, it really looks great. But I did think it was important to know before we dive in, this is a straight up sequel mm-hmm. um, to the movie, not to the book. Should but, we talk about the, what The Shining is too? Yeah, we can. You want to lay it on them? No, I think you go for it. Okay, cool. <laughs> I have more confidence in your ability to eloquently state that. I, I will try. Hopefully, I'm better than what I just read for my tweet synopsis. So, The Shining is this kind of... It's not completely definable. Yeah. It's this extra gift, this extra power that seemingly everyone might possess, but we don't really know that we have it. And Yeah, some, it's like a hyperactive sense yes. in a way. Yeah, it's it's almost like a. It kind of reminds me of like X Men, like mutants. Yeah, and to draw a parallel, they're not mutants, but they have they have these these different abilities that they've kind of unlocked in their lives. 
Um, so think of like your special talent or special gift that you have, whether it be you can sing or you can dance or you can write really well or you can make a killer Excel sheet or something like that. Yeah. Or whether it's like you can really be really kind to people or you can you're a ju- good judge of character, like things like that um, are all like little snippets of, of the shining and that if you can unlock those, you can unlock like a bigger world and connect to more people. So yeah, in this sense, Danny Torrance is kind of telepathic um he can sense things from uh, other dimensions and dark things and that's kind of the best definition i've yeah. got yeah yeah it's good no that's a good on. definition i think um what you see in the original shining movie for fans of the film is basically danny torrance's ability and dick halloran's ability to communicate to people to communicate with people telepathically um, which I think a lot of people think that's The Shining. Um, but this movie goes into, and I assume the book as well, goes into more detail on all of the things that are included in that. It's not just it's not just communicating with people. It's not just sensing things. It's sort of like this overall heightened sense and awareness of all things, both living and not. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this kind of revolves around. It's really a cool, cool direction and a cool story. Mm-hmm. So... Let's jump into this. Let's start with our acting awards. And I just will say, phenomenal acting all around. Didn't you think? It was really hard to land these choices for best actor, best actor and uh, scene stealer. It, it was. It took me a very long time to, to yeah, figure this out. I sometimes, I don't know if you do this too, but I'm always thinking about our review as I'm sitting in the film. And I must have flip-flopped like 13 times. Yeah. Where I was like, Oh, it's going to be this person. Oh man, no, it has to be this person because of this, that, and the other thing like over and over and over again. So I'll be interested to see where you net out. Okay. And the Oscar goes to Ewan McGregor. Good choice. Good choice. Dr. Sleep himself, Danny Torrance. I I mean, I can't, I, I haven't seen a movie where I didn't like Ewan McGregor in it yet. Um, at least I haven't seen a performance of his in a movie I haven't liked yet. There's probably been a, a like some kind of tanker that I was like, well, forget about that. But his accent, we all know he has this incredible rich Scottish accent that he just masks in this upper main um, <laughs> dialect as, as all uh, Stephen King characters yeah, are from. <laughs> for sure. Um, he does these incredible things where he mirrors some of Jack Nicholson's um, traits that we saw in The Shining, because that's his daddy. And granted, he was only five years old in that film, and it wasn't Ewan McGregor. It was a completely different actor. <laughs> Just a, a little tidbit there. Um, he Ewan McGregor really dove into the the previous film to recreate this character and to figure out where we where we would be now. Um, he really stands out when he um, is figuring out life from his his own addiction problem from this numb world he's created to not have to deal with the shining and there's this awesome theme throughout the movie that he just delivers so well uh which is very much like when he played christopher robin in christopher robin (laughs) uh, which came out earlier this year or last year i can't remember i think it's last year last year where it's all about, you know, even though you grow up, that doesn't mean you have to change or become what society thinks you should be. Um, you can get your shine on and show yourself and stand out and put yourself on the line. And Ewan McGregor does just that. This is a performance. He always does a great job, but it was slightly different in the the nuanced choices that he makes, which made it really exciting to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with all of that. Um, 
after much, much, much internal debate and discussion, I also went with you and McGregor. Yes. And it was a very, he just barely edged out Rebecca Ferguson mm-hmm. um, because I, sh- I thought she was brilliant too. Um, so it had to be Ewan. And, and the reason it had to be Ewan is because of the subtlety of his character. I think that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's sometimes, at least in my opinion, I'm less impressed with people who play a really rigid and defined character, one that has very defining character traits and things that are easy to latch onto and develop, and way more impressed with someone who is very, very real, like hyper real, and has some interpretation to how they're going to develop their character and has to make some choices and has to really grow that character over a period of time. And that that's a, a really refined trait and skill for an actor. And Ewan McGregor definitely plays it perfectly here. He does a perfect job of, of really bringing us into his head, you know, at bringing us into Danny Torrance's head, who is someone who is struggling with addiction, struggling with, you know, kind of fighting off his past demons, but also like, in a position where he can either choose to run away from who he is, like I said in my synopsis, or become something greater. Mm-hmm. And he knows that becoming something greater comes at great risk, and he is going to have to encounter his fears as he has countless times before. And like all of that together, Ewan McGregor balances it so delicately. Mm-hmm. And I think... There are there are aspects of this role that we've seen Ewan McGregor do before. Like we've seen him in a mentor role before. We've seen him as kind of like the wise adult figure, which he very much is in this movie. But what we haven't seen is someone like we haven't seen this Ewan McGregor. Yeah, before. like he do, he's the mentor, but he doesn't have it all figured out. Still. Yeah, he's flawed. He's damaged, severely damaged. You know, but it. I think there is a scene in this movie where um, that really sealed it for me, where I was like, ah, it's got to be Ewan. Like, it's, it's over. Where he's at an AA meeting because that, he's he's an addict. That was mine too. Yeah, and he's um, <laughs> talking about this very clearly very complicated relationship that he has with his dad. And, you know, it's kind of one of the interesting ways that this movie ties back to The Shining. And you're kind of wondering, what does Danny Torrance think about all that? I mean, he was five years old, but witnessed some horrific things. But he kind of, like, sees his dad in that moment and, like, starts to figure things out. And it's really powerful. And he just, like, he's he's teetering the whole time. You know, it has to be delivered just right to have the effect. And what you end up with is a really, really effective performance. So... As much as I, I mean, I thought going into it, Ewan McGregor would be my winner. Throughout the movie, I went back and forth, but at the end, it had to be him. Mm-hmm. Had to. Scene stealer. Let's do it. Again, there was like a trio in this, a powerhouse trio in this film. And that's not to discount all the very high status on other ensemble members of this cast. This one was difficult as well. Yes. Got to be Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah, good choice. Because they fought back and forth throughout this film to, to get that top spot um, in perfect tandem and in perfect um, connection with one another. She plays this character called Rose the hat. Um, it, I can't even dive into anything about her because it gives too much away with the plot of this film. And I don't want to do that because you need, you need to see, see how that plays out, but her range of power and desperation in this film um, 
is stunning. She is just an all-star. I've, we've seen her in so many different things now, and I just want more and more of her. She's in, what, The Greatest Showman. She's in Mission Impossible. Yeah. She's in um, The Girl on a Train. And now this. And this seemed like an off-color role for her, but she nailed it through and through. Um, she plays this power-hungry immortal who for the first time gets this glimpse that she's not so invincible. Yeah. And through that, we see just this vulnerability pour out uh, through her. And man, is it a wild ride to watch. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because you they kind of set you up your expectations up in this movie and they pull the rug out from under you with respect to Rebecca Ferguson's character mm-hmm. because she's in the very first scene of the movie. And when you what you get is someone who's confident, charismatic, just like commanding and in control, totally total boss, you know, (laughs) just for lack of a better term, she's just a total boss and her world starts to sort of come into question. And she has to start facing some questions that she hasn't had to for literally hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's really interesting to watch. And Rebecca Ferguson does a great job of leading you down that path. And she, again, I mean, she's, she's genius. I mean, she's brilliant. Mission Impossible. If you haven't seen the first Mission Impossible where Rebecca Rebecca Ferguson jumps in, which one is it? Is it Rogue? Is it Ghost, Ghost Protocol? I think it's Ghost Protocol. Yeah, incredible. She. I remember leaving that movie and being like, "Whoa, who is that?" Yeah, <laughs> she better be in every movie for the rest of forever. Yes, because um, she was just incredible. So definitely check out Rebecca Ferguson if you're not familiar with her work. I went a different direction. Okay, with Scene Stealer. I had to go with the young Kylie Curran great choice she plays um abra which is an awesome name for a character who has the shining she um, even refers to it as her magical ability because mm-hmm. there is like a telepathic telekinetic link to it um and you find that out early on in the movie this young woman does a stellar job and i think um it doesn't really so she has a great aura about her she defines her character and she defines the personality of her character and she doesn't waver, you know, she's consistent. She's steady. Something that you see a lot of time with child actors that are asked to be asked to be a lead in a movie. You see a little bit of inconsistency, which is to be expected. Um, Kylie's just money. She's a metronome. She's steady. She's consistent the whole film. And then at the, and then as the movie goes on, they ask her to get out there a little bit, like do some weird different things. I don't want to spoil it, but she has to, she has to basically like, take on other people's being and personality and things like that. And she nails that too. Like it's, that was the point for me. There's a, there is a particular scene where she has to do that. And right out of the gate, I was like, Whoa, that, I mean, what she was doing before was impressive, but what she just did there mm-hmm. mimicking another person and doing it perfectly, grabbing the subtlety and the nuances of their performance and incorporating it into hers that's next level. Yep, hers was very, very much a very internal performance. Which, how, how people at that age can figure that out blows my mind. Um, I yeah, don't insane. know if insane. they've been through some crazy things in their life, or it's just that X factor they have. Like Leonardo DiCaprio had it, and I think this girl it could very easily just continue to have a very successful career. Yeah, she's a star. She's a star. She's got star written all over her. She does an incredible job in this movie. She creates a character that I just absolutely loved by the end of it. Um, and really throughout, I should say. And 
I mean, you you come for you and McGregor, you you come back for Kylie Curran. Like I'm I'm looking forward to watching this movie again to check out these amazing acting performances and hers in particular. Indeed, yeah, she's one of the one of the members of those big trio. Um, real quick, I want to give some big honorable mentions to the other parts of the cast, yeah, if you it. will, yeah. out of structure here. Yeah, let's go. Um, Got to go with Carl Lumbly, who plays Dick Halloran. Um, oh, man. Recreating that character from The Shining. It is impressive. It and is really impressive. I, I was just blown away. And he comes on the screen pretty early on, and I forgot what actor I was watching for a moment and it hit me and Carl Lumbly is from uh, Alias fame, uh-huh. which he was incredible on. So big kudos to him. Big kudos to Bruce Greenwood. Always continuing to impress me. Yes. Uh, you know him as Captain Pike in the Star Trek reboot. He's also in Gerald's Game, which is another Stephen King. And another Mike Flanagan. And another Mike Flanagan. Yep. I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan running here. If you haven't seen Gerald's Game, it's on Netflix. Check it out. And then freaking Jacob Tremblay slips into this Comes film. Comes out of nowhere with a small role. Yes. And lights it up. <laughs> yes. His scene is, and I almost went with him for Scene Stealer, mm-hmm. because he has a scene that's like his big moment. And, dude, it, 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 needs to be, it needs to be money because it's like what defines the evil force in this movie. Yes. And... It is. It's insane. In fact, they said that the other actors on set, Rebecca Ferguson and the like, were horrified by his performance and like really taken aback by it. And he just was like, like walked off the set and high fived his mom. She was like, "Great job." <laughs> That's and they right. were like, "Wait, what just happened?" Kid's a stud. <laughs> he is. Uh, I I I've said that many times that that kid's gonna be something as well. Oh, one hundred percent. We first saw him in Room. With oh, Brie Larson, yes, and he did some. He the storyline in that that he had to portray was insane, mm-hmm. and he was like Oscar six. nominee, Oscar nominee. Yeah. yeah, he probably wasn't six, but he was young. Yeah, he was young. So yeah, incredible supporting cast. The acting performances really drive this whole thing, and make it what it is, which we will decide later. <laughs> Stay tuned. Yeah, for like five more minutes. Um, let's jump into Showstopper. Okay. Lots of choices here. I want to know what you went with. I went... The reason that I kind of wanted to help explain The Shining before we started was because the, that explanation in this film was really what got me. Because they, they do a good job in The Shining of explaining it f- in terms of 1980s. And it's kind of unsaid. It's kind of undefined. But they really give you the bigger scope in this. And in that, we get to see how that plays out and what visually on film what that looks like. So... In The Shining, we see, the, the, of course, the film focuses on this haunted realm within our world, the Overlook Hotel, and it showcased, you know, Danny fighting it with what he had at the time. So over time, we know that Danny got stronger, yep. and he, he figured out more things, he's unlocked his mind a little bit more, and in this film, we witness how that power works in, like this astral plane kind of world. Yeah. We see how it's used from different perspectives. So how Danny uses it, how um, Rose the Hat, Rebecca Ferguson uses it, how Abra uses it. There's so many different facets of them plus the other 
members of the ensemble of this cast, I feel like we saw like 10 different ways that people use The Shining uh, and its power, which just plays full full on into the theme of unlocking your your shine and unlocking your potential. Um, I thought that the visual on that couldn't have been cooler, uh, especially when we, we get into how their brains are working and what that looks like in the film. Yeah, so that's a really good point. And it's one that, I, so I did not pick this for my showstopper, but as you're talking about it, it's like, yeah, that has to work. It, it's something that you maybe don't think about, but if that look and feel of the shining as they, as it kind of manifests itself in the movie, if that doesn't work, the whole thing falls apart mm-hmm. straight up. So that's a really good call out. Um, for my showstopper, I went with the Kubrickisms in this movie, like oh. just all the ways that they pay homage to Stanley Kubrick and not, not the, not the really heavy-handed ones, you know. Not the blue text on screen. Not yeah. the, <laughs> not the literal recreation of the shot as they drive up Sidewander with the synth music. It's the subtleties, like Mike Flanagan using the hard cuts that Stanley Kubrick did for for uh, to create scares. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times something that's really interesting about The Shining is that they don't use like someone running at you or any of those things that are like inherently scary. And we see it as a trick in a lot of horror movies today. What they use is these hard cuts where like all of a sudden it's like, boom, here's this thing. And it's horrifying. Yes. And Mike Flanagan did that in this movie and did it to a T. Um, there's a shot. So first of all, going back, please do yourself a favor. And if you're going to watch Dr. Sleep, watch the shining no more than 24 hours before you do it. You have to, it's going to make it a way better viewing experience for you. There's a shot at one point where, um, you and McGregor is like throwing up into the sink and the, it's the cameras over above him. And it looks exactly like a very similar Kubrick shot where Jack Nicholson is up against the door when he's locked in that room mm-hmm. and he's looking down and kind of talking that like those subtle things that he grabbed and held on to that's what made the movie for me is like those things and Mm -hmm. obviously the recreation of the sets all that stuff is really impressive but it's the the attention to detail that is just next level i also loved like the fade in fade in fade out transitions yes that is throughout and i that was that was easy to catch and really well done as well yeah plus the um I mean, another one that's a little more obvious is the following people with the camera, like mm-hmm. low angle camera following them around, um, it, which was probably the most effective tr- camera trick in the sh- in the Shining. You know, like following him through the maze, following him on the tricycle as he's running th- riding through the halls. Yes, like, that works really well. And with it, you never felt like, oh, we're just recreating this. He really, there was really an art and a, a, like you said, not a, it wasn't heavy handed. This, this subtlety to it was very, uh, just the finesse of it was really nice to watch. Yeah. How he, yeah. How he, he, painted he the had picture. a lot of moments where he used it really effectively for sure. Um, great choice. Let's jump into director's shoes. Here what we do go. You got? Um, so I forgot that I had seen another film by Mike Flanagan besides Gerald's game. I forgot he yeah. directed that. Um, he also was a writer, possibly also a director on haunting of Hill house, which was huge for Netflix. I have not seen it yet. Yeah. A couple of, uh, haunting, uh, on Hill house cast members appear in this movie. Yes. Too, so that's cool. Yeah. I need to watch this. It was a big phenomenon, but, and I missed that train when it happened. I watched it happen on my social media. Um, there was this movie he did with his wife, called hush 
it used to be available on Netflix. Uh, go watch that if you can too. Um, real quick snippet. It's about a deaf woman, a deaf and mute woman who is a secluded writer and she, this onslaught of attackers, like basically try to rob her and it's about her battle and struggle there. So this guy's really good. He's an, he's up and coming. He knows this genre. He loves it. And I think we're going to see some big things for him. Um, so my director shoes, if I had to change something, all that said, the beginning was very messy for me. Um, it didn't take out off the gate, take off out the gate. Uh, like I wanted it to, uh, the first 15 minutes, honestly, if that was all I had for this movie, I, I was almost ready to walk out. I really wasn't happy with the beginning. Um, we saw, we saw the introduction of characters was just kind of flawed and I'm a big stickler on that. You need to get me from beat one on films. Otherwise I'm, I'm going to be hard pressed to win me back. Um, so I pushed through happy. I did because once you get past that, you get to uh, pretty soon after that, you get to that pivotal scene where we talked about uh, where Ewan McGregor's in his AA meeting. And that's the catalyst for everything else to take off with the journey of Dr. Sleep. Uh, so uh, really happy that, that that took place. But the beginning again, I was mad at it. Yeah, very jumpy. Um, it's hard to get in the rhythm. It's weird like what things they were showing us about each character mm-hmm. early on. And it takes it a little while to come together. Um, my director shoes for this movie is that this movie definitely has an identity crisis. And I don't think, I don't think that it's Mike Flanagan's fault per se. Um, I think he took on an incredibly difficult project where he had to make a sequel to the shining, which had Stanley's or Stephen King's blessing had to have Stephen King's blessing, which as I mean, you may or may or may not know Stephen King did not like Kubrick's interpretation of the shining. Okay. So that's problem number one. He has to make a sequel that looks like The Shining and has a lot of The Shining elements from the movie while also adapting it for Stephen King. And then he also has to have his own flair to it and he has to write and tell this story. So there's, it's difficult. Level of difficulty on this one is sky high. It's honestly, um, I was at the point where I was like, you know, why did this even get made? You know, like, why did we even go down this road? Because that is just a really ambitious project and one that is almost doomed to fail because you've got all these different things going on. And you can kind of feel that throughout the movie that you're really like teetering on a very fragile line. Like any misstep could throw this thing into being a terrible movie. Um, ultimately I don't think it makes that misstep. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty good and it, and, and it does a really good job. Um, but yeah, I just think that the, sometimes it feels like an homage to Kubrick. Sometimes it feels like a Kubrick ripoff. Sometimes it feels like, you know, it's a sequel to the shining. And sometimes it feels like it's something completely and utterly different. That's just like, so out there And all of those things in isolation are good. Um, but it's when you put them all together that it's kind of like, ah, this isn't bad, but like what are we left with here? Mm -hmm. You know? So it's, it's pretty interesting. I think if you get a chance to check out this movie, you'll definitely recognize that. Um, but let's jump into scores and I can kind of finish up my thoughts there. Sure. Uh, so that's, that's funny. I was very happy that they had this sequel because I think it was, as the story goes, Stephen King was at a book signing in 1998 and People had always asked him, but this time it stuck. What happened to Danny Torrance? Where is he? What's his life like now? And so he sat down, he wrote this book. 
but but it didn't come out to like 2005 or something and I thought that the way they incorporated these themes of childhood obstacles and adulthood obstacles and how they overlap and how not to become just uh, part of society head down. And again, that whole shining theme uh, really spoke to me. I thought it was cool. Um, so I was happy that Stephen King wrote this. I thought it was thoughtful, um, thought evoking, and I really enjoyed the themes and allegories throughout. I would say out of the kernel score, I got to go 8.5 for me. Yeah. Good score. Good score for sure. Um, yeah. So this movie to me is definitely flawed. I, I don't think it's perfect. And I think that's purely because this thing couldn't be perfect. There were just too many things, too many different forces to balance. And, and for that reason, sometimes you're going to get some inconsistency in terms of how it looks, how it feels, how the story's told. But at the end of the day, I think it works and I think it works pretty well. You do, you do have compelling messaging, you know, like you alluded to Kirk. And I think that the acting performances really take it over to, over the top where it doesn't just work, but it actually works really well. Mm -hmm. Um, and by the end you're like, Hey, I, I like where we ended up there. That was really cool. And they did some cool things. And I really like how Mike Flanagan, I think what makes the movie ultimately is that there was a period of time where I was like, oh, that's the climax of the movie? That didn't really deliver how I thought it would. And he's like, nope, not the climax <laughs> of the movie. Gotcha. You know, like keeps you on your toes. Um, and that's just a sign of a filmmaker who is very much aware. And in the path that he's leading his audience down, it means that he's done a good job. He's been really effective with how he's told his story, that he's able to get those good payoffs. And the ultimate payoff at the end of the movie is excellent. And um, for that reason, I'm going to give it an 8.3 out of 10 kernels. Very nice. Um, so again, as I said in the past, in my mind, 8.0 is where you kind of get into great movie territory. I think this movie is one that people should check out. I know it didn't perform well at the box office, but you could have a really, really fun weekend by watching The Shining, follow this, followed right up with Dr. Sleep. Um, if you're a fan of The Shining, absolutely check it out and if not i still think both movies are are worth a watch indeed all right so that is our review of dr sleep if you get a chance to check it out please hit us up there's there are lots to talk about i mean there are lots of different things to talk about here and certainly those acting performances can't say enough about those. they are so good um but shifting gears a little bit we're gonna do our top five and because we are not super creative <laughs> we are gonna do top five sleeps because a lot of times we sit around and go what's our top five what has something to do with the movie it's like well it's called dr sleep let's do top five sleeps <laughs> so that's where we're at i'm sleepy right now i am too because it's snowing outside it's beautiful it's quiet there's a heater right next to me yeah I feel that that's probably what's doing it right now too yeah we need some hot cocoa Ooh. a blanket it's marshmallows yes. okay so let's qualify this game a little bit top five sleeps these mean this means what are the top five kinds of sleeps that you get? Example, I'll use one that I didn't actually end up picking for my list. Um, let's see. Road trip, car nap. That's a wonderful sleep. That's a good sleep, mm -hmm. right? So those are the kinds of things we're talking about. We're not talking about like... On November 3rd. Yeah, when I was... In 1995, <laughs> I had an amazing sleep. It was mid-October and it was great. That's was not what we're talking about. We're 76 talking about, degrees. Yeah. So we're talking about... Yeah, just a different, a certain genre of sleep that you really like. Um, 
I'll go first. My number five, first day of vacation sleep. And there is, so I know that that one sounds great. Like it sounds incredible, but there's a reason it's only number five on my list. And that is you're usually in a different place. And so there is a chance here that you're not going to get an actual great night of sleep. But when you go to sleep that night, the feeling of, I'm on vacation. There's something fun coming tomorrow usually, or like I get to relax. I don't have to worry about anything that alone. Even if you, you know, are struggling with the hotel bed or wherever you're at, like that makes it a great sleep. Love that sleep. You wake up to a stress-free zone. Yeah. You know, no, you're not setting an alarm, Mm -hmm. you know, just it's, it's great. That's a wonderful choice. Number, my number five, daylight savings time. Fall back sleep. Good choice. Good choice. You wake up uh, and you have that extra hour. You maybe got some extra sleep or you got to do something extra your night before, but you are excited about life on that fallback DST sleep. Yeah, we just had it. We did. You feel like, um, you feel accomplished. You do. You're like, look at me. It's 8 a.m. and I feel well rested. You feel like a genie because you (laughs) stole extra time. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Uh, And... Especially if you are, if you th- woke up and forgot to change your clock, or yes, if you if you have an alarm clock in 2019, <laughs> or maybe your phone didn't reset appropriately, that's happened in the past, and then you realize, wait, I have another hour, I have a whole hour, and you can just do whatever you want. I know it is it is magical. That's a really good pick. All right, my next pick is similar to my first pick but number four is first day of school break like the summer break because the world is your oyster and i mean for me first day of summer break was like veg city and so that sleep is a long one Mm -hmm. that's like i've earned it you know (laughs) i've been working my tail off for nine months (laughs) and i am going to sleep until 1 p.m what's the latest that you've ever slept in um, not necessarily first day of summer break, but ever, ever. Well, I mean, it just it just depends. Like on an, like going to bed at a normal time or like going to bed at 4 a.m.? Let's say that you went to bed late, not 4 a.m., but let's say, you know, 1, 2 a.m. Yeah, I have slept till 1 p.m. before. Very nice. Yeah, I did that in college once. Very nice. So I want to know if anyone slept past that. I have. I don't think I have, but I want to know if someone out there has slept past 1, 8, 1 p.m. At oh, four. dude, two of my college roommates... Uh, the twins that I live with, uh-huh. Luke and Jake, some of my best friends, they they could sleep. Those guys, those guys can sleep. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they, I don't know if they do anymore. They're both professionals now, so <laughs> I don't know. But those guys could, they could really sleep. I wanna, I, it was awesome. I want to see, so, you know, like in movies, you know, people like they get exhausted and they sleep for like almost eighteen hours. I want to know if you've done that because yeah. I'm I'm in awe and honor of you. I guarantee Luke and Jake have done that or at least one of them has. I got to know. Those guys are my heroes. The, <laughs> like that the way that they could sleep was so my I my brain will eventually wake me up unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But like if they didn't have anything to do, they could just shut it down and I was like that is awesome. <laughs> like that's the dream right there. That's impressive. Yeah. That's their shine right there. It is. That's their shine. That's their <laughs> that's their special ability and it's it's a good one for sure. My number 4 the sleep you have after a day of working in the yard. Ooh, good pick. Because you use muscles that you don't ever typically use. Yep. And then all of a sudden you get this, you fall into bed, you're sore, you took some medicine, some ibuprofen or, or acetaminophen, and you just conk. And you wake up the next morning and you feel like a new person. Yep. 
and your lawn is done. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's, it's, so you get the you get two of the best feelings in the world, which is going to sleep when you're really really tired, mm-hmm. and the sense of accomplishment when your lawn doesn't look like trash. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> not, not that your lawn looks like good, but that it doesn't look like trash. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the key. That's a really good pick. I wish I would have had that one. Um, number three, I got to go with Sunday afternoon NASCAR nap. <laughs> this is, this is a legendary sleep. dude. This is like, so it's usually like it's after football season. It's like, I don't know when NASCAR begins, but like, I don't know. In my mind, it's like spring. And you're like, man, I got nothing to do. There's no football on. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm exhausted. You hear that, you know, you just put on channel five and it's just, you know, you hear that. And it's like, it's incredible. You're just passed out. It's daylight. You wake up. It's like 4 PM. You feel just refreshed. Yes. It's the best. And that race is still going, by the way, when you wake up, that race is 100% still on. That is so specific and so accurate. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I mean, dude, I, this is like my childhood right here. I totally remember taking that nap every Sunday. Oh my goodness. I love it. I can't wait till like we're, we're on a, we're at your parents' house on a Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Throw the NASCAR on. I never watch it. I don't watch it, but it's great for napping. Oh man. My number three. Finding out, typically on a snow day, that there is no school. Yes. Going back to sleep. You wake up at like 6 a.m. and you run downstairs, you turn on the news, or I guess now you check your your phones for an email or a text. Yep. um, And then you find out that school has been canceled because of inclement weather. Yep. And you get right back in bed (laughs) and you sleep for like three more hours yep it's a good one it's a good one for sure school is canceled or work for that matter sometimes yeah sometimes that that occurs too and oh it's it's glorious because your day of obligations have has just been thrown out the door and you can do whatever you want yeah your your mom or dad comes into your room and they're like that this was at least me like laying in bed they're like hey you're off school okay you're gonna go to grandmas or whatever you know like you're just like ah yes (laughs) this is amazing you just feel alive oh that's so good it's a good one okay what am i on number two Mm -hmm. okay number two is fresh dried sheets Ooh, especially in the winter time when you have so we have like um flannel sheets that we put on our bed in the winter time stay nice and warm you know yes and the first night where we wash those guys up and get them dried off and put them on the bed. You lay down and you're like, this is the closest to heaven I've ever felt in my life. I'm warm. It's soft. It's fresh. It smells amazing. That like you're sleeping a thousand hours that night. You feel sure. like you're being hugged while you sleep. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I love it. That number two. is a great choice. My number two sleep that cures a lingering sickness or the norovirus. Oh, so you've been sick for several days. Let's say it's a, like a cold and finally you wake up and it's gone and suddenly your body is refreshed and back to normal. You're reinvigorated. Or, or you had the norovirus and you've been vomiting uncontrollably for the past 48 hours. And all of a sudden you don't have that sense of nausea when you wake up. And that is a glorious moment. Yeah, you're just a new person. That's like, yeah, you totally wake up and you're like, I'm, I am once, I have once again rejoined humanity. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like that one. That's a good pick. Okay, my number one is similar to your number three, but different. 
Okay. So this is going to sleep when you've just been awarded a snow day. So it's late at night. You're watching the local news channel. You're like, are we going to get canceled? Are we going to get canceled? I want to stay up late to see if we're going to get canceled. What's what really is money about this one. Okay. (laughs) And this hits whenever you're in high school or in college. I even had this in college a couple of times. You've pushed all your chips in. You did not do your homework. Okay. (laughs) You are sweating bullets watching the newscast. You're like, this is this everything's on the line. Like man, I got a ten-page research paper. Yeah, too. if this thing doesn't get canceled, I am screwed. And when that, when you see your school's name scroll across the bottom of the screen, or you get the call, you're like, I I'm the smartest person alive. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have worked on that thing. All you other idiots who worked on it, you're so dumb. And then you get to go to you skip off to bed and you're like I can sleep for a thousand years I never have to worry about it except for the fact that then you have to work on your homework on your snow day right terrible choice right. horrible and, unless the snow day happens on a Friday oh like Thursday night Friday's the snow day dude that's happened a couple times in my life that is like a double rainbow it's, yes it is truly magical <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> Great, fantastic number one choice. My number one is somewhat similar to your NASCAR one. I can't remember what number, number three. Your number, yeah. three. number three. Um, just surprise naps, you know? Yeah. Um, I have often come in on uh, Sunday or any day of the week. It's like seven o'clock and I'm like, man, I'm really feeling tired. I'm just going to shut my eyes for a few minutes. And Aubrey lets me <laughs> and, you know, it's like maybe the kids are quiet or maybe... Um, maybe they're just playing independently or what, what have you just surprise naps where you get uninterrupted sleep as uh, that you didn't plan. Yeah. Just brings joy to my heart. Yeah. It's, it's (laughs) heavenly for sure. I try to take, I I also take them. They're not, I kind of take naps every other night. They're not so surprise naps, but I, I lay in my, in my son's bed with him for five minutes because he's five so he gets five minutes at the end of his bedtime routine where we lay with him in his bed for five minutes and he can talk about whatever he wants and then one of those five minutes is quiet and i always fall asleep during the quiet minute and my wife lets me and i wake up like an hour later and then i clean the house or do whatever wow that does sound magical i feel so like zen right now like yeah you're just even thinking about it you're like that's my happy place this is the best like my face is really relaxed and i'm ready i'm ready for a surprise nap right now i love it it's a it's a really good one um okay that hey you know what that ended up being a good top five i'll just say it i had i you know i came up with that idea today during my lunch break and i was like this has potential to be my worst idea ever and yet, here we are. It was a good top five. We didn't have a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. It was good. I loved it. And I'm excited to go to sleep now. Yes. Can't wait. Um, all right. If you guys have sleeps that we missed, do we have any honorable mentions? I got none. Oh, I have one. Thanksgiving nap. Oh. Yeah. It never happens for me, but sometimes it happens the day after Thanksgiving, and that's pretty great. Mm-hmm. So that's my only other Get honorable mention. Get those trixalixalexapides, whatever that term is, what? in the turkey. Oh. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. There's some sort of poison or potion <laughs> in the turkey that makes you sleepy. Let's go with potion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the correct scientific term. Um, but, yeah, there's the, that nap is a pretty good one. If you guys have any sleeps that you like that we missed or that we just don't know about, there there could be a whole world to unlock out there, Kirk, in, Tell the, us. in the universe. I like sleeping. Yeah, let us know. That would be a good one. Um, other than that, 
Star Wars, right, Kirk? Star Wars tickets are still on sale, but only for four more days. That's right. And we do have tickets left. We're starting to run low. Um, so if you have a big party or something like that, hit us up and we will make sure you get all the info you need to make your decision. We are very, very excited about this coming up December 19th. We've got a really fun time planned for you between trivia, obviously the movie, it's going to be a really great time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all the people who have bought tickets so far. Um, really taking advantage of just having our own private theater and having a good time and joining together to, enjoy movies which is something that kirk and i like to do all the time so it should be a really really fun time absolutely um but other than that so get your tickets this week other than that we want to give a very special thanks to ryan spriggs who helps us produce this podcast and of course ryan spriggs and brandon aristed who gave us our lovely wonderful theme music we will see you all next week talk to you then no on fire and die.